Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's continue to praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're so worthy. You may be seated. Just love to praise his holy name, don't you? Oh, my God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're so thankful that you touched our hearts one day and saved each one of us who've claimed the name of Jesus. We believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. We believe he's the only way to you, Father. So we thank you that uh, we can rejoice and celebrate your goodness and your mercy towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. You can be seated. You can be... James, you got a rowdy role. I like your role, man. Man, I love it. Um, once upon a time, uh, there was a scorpion who wanted to get across to the p- other side of the pond. And he saw Mr. Frog to his right, and he went over to Mr. Frog. He said, Mr. Frog, can I jump on your back, and can you get me to the other side of the pond? This gentle, kind frog said, sure, hop on. He hopped from pod to pod until he got to the other side of the pond. But before the frog jumped and landed him safely, the scorpion stung him. And then as he landed, Mr. Frog looked up to him and said, I let you get on my back. We jumped from pod to pod to safety, and you stung me. Mr. Scorpion said, that's what I do. It's my nature. And so what I want to pause and just take a brief moment. We're in this six-part series called Nobody Greater. But what I want to pause to let us remind ourselves of who we're talking about. Because if we don't understand who we're talking about, It can become fuzzy. We can be misrepresented. God can be misrepresented. And so I just want to take a moment to pause and just reflect on the nature of God, this great God that we serve, the immutable of God and his attributes. And I wrote this down because I thought it was so poignant. Nobody greater. This is a, this is a, our God is a spirit, and there's nobody greater. He's, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the great I am, right? There's nobody greater. But what I love about this is that it says that his character is unchanging, and his will and covenant promises are unchanging. Let's pause and think about this. One of his attributes is his holiness. It is kind of like the center of who he is. He's all-powerful, and he's holy. He's all-knowing. And he's holy. And I want to pause and just meditate on his holiness. That means there's no defilement in our God. He's pure. I have, because sin still dwells in me and you, there's defilement in us. And it kind of made me think like, Lord, you're the only being that is pure. So that means how he uses his power is pure. How he uses his knowledge is pure. There's no defilement in any of his character. He's the only being that is perfect. And yet you and I don't trust him like we should. Can you imagine that there's a being out there that is the creator of all things, and he's pure, no sin, no defilement. This is why 
he needed to send Christ to save us because he's so holy, his wrath has to deal with sin, right? But I just wanted us to pause for a moment to think about this great God who we worship and who we sing. And I know that if Jason, Pastor Jason, and Anthony and I were going to do this, this series justice, we really would have stopped and said, let's talk about God's attributes first. That would have been the proper thing to do, to talk about who he is. No matter how you think about him, who he is, it doesn't even matter. I like the book of Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. You guys know that scripture. My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. As far as heaven is from the earth are my thoughts and my ways different from you. I always love witnessing the people, right? And they would say to me, I, I don't think God would do that. I go, how do you know? You ain't God. God wouldn't do that. Well, how do you know? So I'm, I'm comfortable not knowing everything about this infinite God that we serve because his thoughts are so much higher than mine, I couldn't comprehend it unless he revealed it to me. You know what I mean? So we just humble yourself. You ain't got to have all the answers. Just say what God says and drop the mic. You know what I mean? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. You know what I mean? And, and I remember telling an atheist this. I said, look, man, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. And I'm trying to explain to him about salvation. And then I stopped and I said, you know what? If I was the only person that would believe in God, he would have sent Jesus Christ to die for me. You know why I believe that? Because he did it with eight people. He, I'm going to destroy the whole earth. And then guess who was safe? Noah and what? Seven other people. How do you know? I'm not, I don't even try to defend God. I just want to be a witness. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. So this is the God that we're doing this series on called Nobody Greater. And we're doing a six-part series, and I'm in the fourth part right now. Jason started out by talking about ascribing to this God that we love, this God that we know, his worth. Not because you have to, but he just deserves it because he is God. Now, look, uh, uh, before, I'm not even, just bear with me today. I, I'm 60 years old, and I was thinking about John F. Kennedy Jr. He's a year older than me. And um, I was thinking about all these pictures of John F. Kennedy and his dad, the president of the United States. John F. Kennedy, there was a picture of little John John. You remember that famous picture when he was under his dad? Now, the president of the United States was dealing with the Cuban Missile Crisis. He was dealing with civil unrest in the civil rights movement. And little John John was just playing with his dad under the desk. I was thinking about that, like the security knows who little John John is. Nobody else can come in there without all this protocol, but little John John can come. They're not going to tackle little John John. <laughs> they know who he is. That's the president's son. And there was another uh, photo that I love where, you know, the Kennedys love to, you know, uh, get on their yachts and boats and fish. And little John John was sitting on his lap. That's his daddy. He was sitting on his daddy's lap. And then the last photo that I thought about was when, pa when, the, when uh, President Kennedy was assassinated, sadly. Do you remember the salute? He's saluting the commander of chief. I thought about how unique our relationship is. 
here we are serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we come into this place and we salute him and we bow down and we worship him. And yet you can go home and say, Dad, I need help. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that an awesome analogy of our relationship with God? And there's this verse that I want to share with you that just almost made me cry this morning. It's in Zephaniah 3, and I'm going to get to the message, but I'm just, this is, this is what God told me to tell you. In Zephaniah 3, 17, it says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, abundant life. In his love, he will not no longer rebuke you. This is the part that made me cry this morning. But rejoice over you with singing. Huh? Wait a minute. The almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God, the creator of all things, the Alpha and Omega, sings over Keith? Sings over James? It's that relationship. We are his sons and his daughters. And I'm just praising him this morning because this is the God that we're talking about. Now let's get to the message. I just wanted to share that with you. We're in this series called Nobody Greater. And in the first part, you guys really helped me out because Jason, uh, he uh, had us in Chronicles 6, 1 Chronicles 16, and he was talking about how God in his majestic and greatness deserves our praise. I need you to help me out like you did last week. I love, that was the best part for me when you helped me out. Um, and so this time, I'm going to go back to 1 Chronicles 16, but when I pause, I want you to say, nobody greater, okay? All right, can you shout that? All right, let's sing, or here it is. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell about his miracles. Be glad that you are his. Let those who seek the Lord be happy. Depend on the Lord and his strength always, not sometimes, but always go to him for help because there's Amen. Sing to the Lord all the earth every day. Tell how he saves. I like this part. Tell all the nations, Africa and Europe and uh, Asia, that about his glory. Tell all the people that are on this earth what he does. The Lord is great. He should be praised because there is. Amen. Thank you. So that's what Jason did. He made us realize that he needs to, we need to ascribe to him his greatness. And then in part two, Jason talked about our hearts. And when he did that, he says, we have to guard our hearts and protect our hearts. And then I knew I was coming up and I was like, Lord, help me. So how do I follow that? And the Lord says, tell them about idols. Hmm. Now, listen, you remember when I was talking about the idols and I'll, I'll just say this. Exodus 20. I'm just going to read it real quick. Exodus 20. It says, then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt where you were slaves. This is what he says, first commandment. You must not have any other gods except me. You must not make of yourselves an idol that looks like anything in the sky above or in the earth below or in the water below. You must not worship or serve any other idol. There's other translations that says image. And remember I was saying that uh, image... In the, in the Eastern culture, they would build statues and images of their kings. And I was saying that God was like, don't even do that. Don't even do that for me because you will mess it up. I'm so great. I'm a spirit and you must worship me in spirit and in truth. And I talked about when I was a youngster and you get into those booths in the, in the mall and take a picture of you and your girlfriend. 
and, and it just came out horrible. Those pictures, and you would show your friend, and you'd be like, that's not how she really looked. You know, remember that? And so that's what God has said. Don't do me, you know, don't bow down to anything. I'm a spirit. Those that worship me must worship me in spirit and truth. And then I like this term idol because in our culture in America, we really don't go to a statue and build down to it. But then Jason challenged me with this beautiful message of guarding my heart. And that is, I would label this, subtitle it American Idols because all of us have to deal with idols of our heart. And the first idol that I wanted us to examine is relationships. And remember we talked about, um, you know, I don't want to call him Three's Company, but I had to. I'm thinking about it. We talked about Jacob, Rachel, and Leah, right? And we talked about some of the dysfunctions, how Jacob was so sprung on her because she was a brick house. And that's Zeke. That's the Commodores, Alabama, back in the day. That's how old I am. All right, you got me, Z? Brick house. That means she was built very well. Um, this is kids are here. So I, <laughs> she was built very well. She was beautiful, but Leah was not. And so can you imagine the pressure on being beautiful and not people loving you for who you are in your heart, but just on your physical appearance? There's, there's some psychological issues there. And then Leah has some psychological issues because people don't consider her beautiful. And Joseph even said, I love... Rachel, more than you. That's actually in the word. I'm like, whoa. And so Jacob loved Le uh, Rachel more than her, and then, but Rachel couldn't give her any kids. And here's something about idols I want you to understand. Idols will cost you, cost Jacob, what, he's seven years, almost 14 years? Man, I was 14 years, and he, you know, anyway, Rachel couldn't have kids, so now she's beautiful, but she can't have kids, but Leah can. So Leah was popping out these sons. <laughs> Help me up, uh, <laughs> She was having babies, and she kept saying, now he will love me, now he will love me. Finally, the fourth one, he, she just gave up and said, Lord, thank you, Lord. I will not get my self-esteem and my significance from this man. I'm going to trust you. So the next two weeks, or today and next week, Today, I want to talk about success, money, and power, and then those idols that are in our hearts that we got to take captive. And then the last one, I want to talk about culture and religion. Um, before I move on, I, I did make some thoughts about idols. Uh, people relate to idols in three ways. They love idols, they trust their idols, and they obey their idols. Now, remember I said we have this unique relationship with this all-loving, all-powerful God. We are his children, and we can come to him with boldness because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and we can cast all our cares on him, but he is still deserving of us bowing down and worshiping him and saluting him and praising him with adoration because of who he is. There's another interesting relationship we have with him. We are also his bride. Am I right? The church is his bride. And so here's what idols do. God should be our only true spouse. But when we desire and delight in other things more than God, we're committing spiritual adultery. So I just wanted to just throw that out there to let you know to take this very serious about these idols, right? And so I have, you know me, I love my case studies. Now we're going to the text. Um, it's Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. 
And I'm just going to go ahead and read it and just listen to the word of God. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But look, I love this. But if you're going to do some bragging, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practiced steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. That's our status. That's us graduating from Stanford. I got a PhD. I'm a doctor. I work for Google. Uh, what other status? Uh, <laughs> I'm the most brilliant person on earth. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, let me talk about pastors. Uh, I'm pastor such and such, and I, I have 35,000 members in my church. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Y'all pray for me, because when I hear pastor says my church, I almost want to go, what, did you die, Barry? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you ain't my savior. I think I heard Jesus say, upon this rock, I will build my church in the gates of hell. And so I'm just saying status, status, you know. Um, sorry, pastors. But anyway, I had to throw that out there. And so now we, we he's, and don't let the Lord, and, don't, and it says, don't boast in your power. You know what I mean? You, you might have power over someone. You might be a director or a VP or a CEO. And you have, but don't boast in that. And then it says, don't boast in your riches, right? So case study number one. Let's turn to, let's talk about the rich young man. Now, before I talk about money and power and success, let me just state for the record God is not concerned about you and me having wealth. He owns what, a thousand? There you go. He, he's not concerned about your status. He's not concerned about if he blessed you to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a janitor. He doesn't care about how much money you make. He just don't want the money to make you and have you. All right? So I don't, I don't want Christians to think that we can't enjoy our blessings and the fruit of our labor. Can we just make that clear? All right. Are we on the same page? All right, so this young man, this rich young man, let's, let's turn to the scriptures in Matthews 19, uh, 16, and where are my scriptures? You, you know I just want to tell the story, but I heard I got to read the scriptures to you. Here it is, Matthews 19, and there it is, starting with the 16th verse. And it says, and behold, a man came, on to, came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? He's trying to work his way into the kingdom. And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, the rich young, the rich young man says, and which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, all of these I have kept. Can we pause for a moment? Remember when I said the first commandment was you should what? I always wondered why did Jesus leave that one out when I was studying. He just went to the other commandments. Why did he leave the most important one out? I just throw that out there. And then he says, okay. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell your, what you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. 
Oh, that's why he didn't say it, because he is the living word. Just come and follow me. I'm, all, I'm God, so come and follow me, right? And I was like, okay, I'm with you, Jesus. I love you. Woo, thank you. And then the young man heard this, and he went away sorrowful, for he had what? Great possessions. He's got a heart issue. He's, he's got a heart issue. Now, before we dissect that, let's go to Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus. How do you guys say it? Zacchaeus. All right, all right. Um, Luke 19, 1 through 10. This, this Zacchaeus, he entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Not sure why that's in there, but maybe he had a little man complex. Um, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw that, and when they saw that, they all grumbled. Who was doing the grumbling? Yeah, the, the Christian, I mean, the religious people. They were doing, the, the people that knew the Torah. So um, he has gone to be with the guest of a man that was a sinner, as if they weren't. <laughs> and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore fourfold or four times. Hmm. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he is also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. I like these two case studies. I have one more, but I like these two because it was interesting to me that he said that Zacchaeus was the son of Abraham and then a rich young man who knew the Torah, who kept all of the commandments except the one that he couldn't keep because his heart was tied to his possessions and he walked away sorrowful. He didn't say that he was the son of Abraham. And I thought about Abraham, um, because of Abraham's faith in God, it was counted to him as righteousness. And when you and I believe in God, not by any works, because this man said, what must I do to get into the kingdom? He, he thought he could work his way into the kingdom. He thought his wealth and all of his influence meant something in the kingdom, but it doesn't. It is your faith of a mustard seed. And so we had a, and, and so he said, go give it to the poor. And he said, this rich, he walked away sorrowful. I ain't giving nothing away. Not a thing. Now the chief, chief tax collector, I'll call him the chief gangster in that time, because they were the most despised among the Jews. Uh, the Romans had oppressed the Jews and he was, working with the Romans and ripping off his own people. He almost needed bodyguards. That's how much they were despised. And that's why even the religious folks were like, man, you having dinner with him? Because having dinner with, some, with someone was a, was, a, was a symbolism of friendship and kindness. Come and eat with me. My best friend, Arshel, he was a great cook. My other best friend who went home to be with the Lord Carlton, they would just, I love going over to their house. I couldn't wait to get there. I would get mad. Hurry up, Regina. Come on. And, you know, um, these brothers can cook. And, and they blessed me with, I mean, they continue to bless me. I didn't even try to, never mind. Uh, let me get back to the scripture. So, Zacchaeus, he's the, he's the chief sinner, 
And yet when he runs into Jesus, Jesus doesn't even have to tell him to give his money to the poor. This sinner who the religious folks were angry about, when Jesus caught his heart, nothing else mattered. You know what's powerful about salvation? When you are saved, the behavior follows. Don't wait to get saved to think your behavior is going to change. Go ahead and let Jesus save you and watch how the behavior will follow. You know what I mean? So, so this, this other rich young man turns his back against our Lord and Savior, walks away sorrowful. The one that people was judging, the one that was, a, in my mind, was a, not a criminal, I don't want, yeah, a criminal. Uh, he was like, I'm going to give four times the amount that I ripped James off of. Four times the amount. Jesus didn't have to tell him because Jesus, when Jesus touches your heart, you let those idols go. You just let them go. Now, I want to wrap this up because I want us to worship God as we give, um, as we bow down and worship and remember today. I love when we break bread and, and drink the cup, the symbolism of his death, burial, and resurrection. But the last one I want to talk about, you remember uh, last week when I said part of this is what, what really struck me about worshiping God and God reminding us that that's this first priority, that we should never forget who he is. Remember I said the person that don't want us to worship is who? Satan. Yeah, yeah, that enemy. And, I, and we were talking about how he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I was talking about how the thief, that word is klepto, which means he's clever about it. Sometimes we don't even know that we have an idol, right? We don't even know it. And, and we don't even know we're putting other things before God in our hearts. We don't even know. Because, you know, being married is a good thing. It shouldn't be the main thing, but it's a good thing. Having money is a good thing, but it shouldn't be the main thing. Having status is a good thing because you can use it to influence, to pass, you know, to move the kingdom forward. But when it becomes the main thing, that's when it captures our heart, like the rich young man who walked away, right? And so Satan, that enemy of ours, he's come to kill, steal, and destroy, right? And if we can go to someone who I just admire in the scriptures is our brother Job, And I don't want to read everything. I just want to kind of highlight his wealth, right? Look at Job's heart. You guys know the story of Job. And I just want to talk about what he possessed, right? Well, let's talk about the, the conversation first. Do you guys know in the book, I think it's 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says that our enemy, the devil, does what? He roars, seeking, who we can, you know the scriptures, right? So, we fight not against flesh and blood. Spiritual warfare is real. Check out the conversation in the heavenlies. The angels came before God, and of course, Satan did as well, right? And you guys know the story so well, right? And, and you know, Satan is like, so here's what God is saying. This is what I like about God. God breaks, can I just paraphrase instead of reading all the scriptures? God says, have you seen my son Abraham? Look, he, he, he loves me, basically, and he shuns evil. Do you notice that he's the richest man in the, in the kingdom? Or I don't know the name of the kingdom that he was in. But he was the richest man. He had over 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, uh, 500 female donkeys, many servants. And they said he was the greatest of all the people in the east. Right. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house, you know, uh, and party. 
And, and, but he was just great man. And do you notice that God didn't mention anything about his wealth? He talked about his character to, to the enemy. And the enemy who comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. God says, where you been? I've been roaming around the earth, coming back and forth, spiritual warfare. And then God just says, look at my son, Abraham. I mean, Job. I'm glad you're listening. That was a test. No, it wasn't. Um, look at my son, Job. There's no one like him. He talked about his character. You know, God, is, he owns it. He didn't talk about how much money he had, how many kids. He says he shuns evil. And then Satan is like, yeah, he really don't love you. Take that stuff away and he will curse you. You got a hedge of protection around him. Maybe he's been trying to get to Job, right? But he couldn't because he can't touch us. He can't touch God's people unless God allows it, right? And so he says, take that away, and he will curse you to your face. And so, you know, the story begins. And, and then I just call it a bad, not a bad day. You're talking about a bad day. We know that he lost all of his wealth. He lost his children. Can you imagine that in one day? I think you can, because do you ever see when there's a flood in Florida and someone's home is destroyed, and maybe they lost their kids, and their whole econ the whole economy where they live is just watered down and they got to go now into an auditorium like this. They've lost everything. Some have even lost their kids. People on this earth have a Job moment, right? But he didn't curse God because these things were not his idols. His kids wasn't even his idols. You know what I mean? His, his, his material possessions wasn't his idols. He literally said, naked I came into this world and naked I will leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, man. How many of us can say that? That's where I want us to get to. I want us to get to where our money doesn't matter more than God. Our relationships doesn't matter more than God. Do you see how it's not about the money? It's who has your heart. And I want us to be a praiseworthy church that will come in here and bow before our Lord, shout about his greatness, and then come to one another and say, guess what God did to me this week? Look at me, tell me, tell you how he blessed me. Can I pray for you? Because I know him. I know him. Jason, come up. Team, come up. Uh, I just want you to know that it is not about the wealth. It is not about your position. It is about who is your God. I cannot imagine emotionally what Job had to go through. So then, as they're coming up, he says, look what you, I, I allowed you to let this happen to my son, Job. Satan wasn't done, right? He says, man, touch his body. That's when he's going to curse you. Okay, all that stuff don't mean anything. Let me, let me give him cancer. Will he still praise you? I had cancer and I still praised him. Arshel had cancer, he still praised him. Elder Rocky had cancer and we still praised him. Because this earthly tent's gonna fall and I'm gonna get a new one anyway. You know what I mean? So I don't care what you're going through, what circumstances will hit you. Our Lord literally said, in this world you're gonna have trouble. There's two houses you can build, one on sand, and one on the rock, right? Job's was built on the rock, right? I want us to build our life upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Thank you.